What's up, everybody? My name is Kevin Easterly. I'm with Paulo10x.com. We do apartment and franchise investing. You can find us on our website or our Facebook group, 10x.kevinesterly.com. If you guys want to learn about real estate, listen to my good friend, Sam Newell's podcast, Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm Sam Newell, your host, and it is my goal to educate you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. I interview the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they have learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become my goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. So, yeah, man, I mean, I guess we'll talk about the my, my war story. I mean, I got a lot of them, but I think the best one is the trailer park. My when first investment in 2012. And how old were you when you bought that? 32. So did, you know, like 16-year-old high school Kevin think about buying real estate or or what were you thinking back then? No, it was it was the uh, 16-year-old Kevin was focusing on school. I was a good kid and I wanted to be a firefighter. Nice. Didn't think of think think of real estate until my brother started doing flips and started asking me for 30 grand at a time i'd be like cool he'd give me back 50 sign a couple papers there you go so nice that's how i got into it yeah man when was that that was in like 2010 16 year old kevin uh, that was a long time ago man that was 96 <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i graduated high school 2004 you know i, I had kind of grew up in construction i knew about flipping thought maybe it was a good idea but you know i didn't get in until 2010 either Nice. So yeah, I'm jealous of all the people that kind of got in in 2008, 2009 and got these ridiculous deals. Dude, we were buying fourplexes in Vegas for, uh, since I know you can relate the fourplex prices. We were buying fourplexes for 140 grand in Vegas. Oh. we were doing 500 a room and every, all four two bedrooms, dude. 140, 70s builds. We didn't know what we were doing, but I'm like, I was looking at Redfin and there were 350 before the, uh, the crash. And I'm like, dude, we can't lose. Yeah. Like worst case scenario, we sit on this hundred. So, and then now they're selling for three fifty. So that's how I really got started. We bought like ten. I bought. I ended up buying like four or five, six of those. And then Dude. my brother had like six of those. And then we sold all of them and bought a hundred units together. Good. For so you, I did man. the fourplex game too, like you, man. That's awesome. We're building that's... them though, right? Yeah, the yeah. Best. So I'm. I left that company last July, but I helped them do two, a two hundred forty-seven door fourplex community out in Boise. Did a couple hundred doors in Houston and a couple thousand doors here in Utah. It's awesome. Um, all fourplex style, all new construction, selling to investors. I own a, a couple, a uh, few units myself. You know, I got in, it's funny, we have a similar price point. We got in, I bought my first flip. I lived in it, house hacked it in 2010 for 170 And during the peak, it sold for 330 so I'm, I'm still fortunate. I'm still like you. We got in it at, at a really good time. So I wish I would have done fourplexes immediately like you, though. Dude, I wish I would have done apartments. The guy I was buying them from, I go, why are you selling these? It's such a great return. And he goes, I'm buying apartments. And I'm like, dude, you're crazy. I didn't know anybody yeah. at the time that even bought apartments. I, that's how I started listening to Grant Cardone. His 101 podcast literally tells you how to do it. That's awesome, man. I love, I love Uncle G. He's Yeah, he, man. Really smart, really good marketing, but he really knows how to how to analyze a deal. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's huge. No, I, I thought only really rich people could buy apartments. You know, I just thought you had to be a multi multi millionaire <laughs> to to buy apartments, and that's not the case. No, not at all, man. So, so you bought a hundred doors with your brother, we were, and then what'd you yeah, do? Bought a hundred doors, sold all the fourplexes, bought a hundred doors. At that time, we had enough in our collection of fourplexes for Fanny and Freddie or what was it? I think it was Freddie at the time that we used, but then for them to the, the, think that we had enough experience with third-party management to buy a 52 and a 47 simultaneously. So that shot us off, bought all those, bought those for a million, but our 4 million and 2.5 million and then put like a hundred grand into them. And man, I've been having the same conversation with everybody I know since 2012 when I started buying or 2011, uh-huh. it's like, Oh man, what if the market goes, what if the market turns, right? We're having the same conversation today. I've been having this, I've been hearing people say this since 2012. What if the market turns? What if the market turns? So it's like, funny, I hear this all the time. You hear the masterminds, everything. Oh, big turns coming. And I'm like, well, you know what? Turn hasn't come. It's not here yet. I'm like, if the deal makes sense and you have enough room and you have a long-term loan, I'm like, don't worry about it. So we did that. And, well, and at the, the time, key, I used to the key email. thing is a long-term loan, right? Yeah, ten to twelve, and then hit the variable after the ten is ideal. And then, yeah, man. So I did that, and then I used to email Uncle G and ask him, "Hey, man, I was like, what's I'm selling this property here, buying this property. I used, I used to have an eightplex, and I was like, hey, man, I want to refinance this eightplex. It's making great cash flow, um, and then I want to take it and I want to buy another eightplex. He's like, dude, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. He's like, sell the eightplex. So I sold it. I thought, like, okay. So I sold it and I went and bought a 30 unit in um, Arizona. Nice. So, sorry, I was digressing, but uh, yeah, I bought the 100 units. <laughs> Wait, what did you buy in Arizona? I bought my secret location in Arizona. Can't tell anybody. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Close to Tucson. Phoenix. Okay. Tucson, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So I bought a 30 unit there. I found a couple investors, a friend of a friend through a broker that were um, doing big flips. Like they flip apartment buildings basically. Uh-huh. Talk to them. So I kind of followed along their heels. They were showing me the areas. They were actually doing Idaho. They were doing Oregon. They were doing Tucson. So I went there. That was a couple of years back. Bought that. Bought the 30 unit for a million bucks. Got a couple partners to come in, show them the rope, small percentage. Yeah, we just refied that for two million. Actually, I'm in the process of it right now. So that was a good win. Nice. But the horror stories, man. You want to talk about well, the horror well, story? Hold on. We got to digress. For a second here, you just you bought a million dollar property at thirty three thousand a door. That's awesome, you know. 31 bedrooms. That's that's awesome, man. I was just analyzing a deal here in Utah. It was two hundred thousand a door. Woo! They're asking thirty eight, and I backtracked. You know, figuring out what I would pay for it to have a good return for my investors. I think it was twenty four million. They owed twenty eight million. Ah. Uh. I don't know how they're making money. I mean, just crazy. But now let's go back to Uncle G. I've, I've got an important question for you. So Grant Cardone says, and it's really controversial, and I disagree with him wholeheartedly and agree with him wholeheartedly, if that's possible. Um, but he says, never, ever, ever buy anything under 16 doors. And when you said you asked him for advice, that's what he said, right? He said, you're wasting your time. Why is that? Cause you have the, you have the, the power of scale when you have over 16 doors. I think he says 16 or 32, right? At 16, probably 16. 
he says go big right <laughs> yeah i mean it's true man i had that eight unit dude and you have one then now you're uh what 12 percent vacant you know yep. i have i had the other two months ago my third unit i had three vacancies and i was still making cash flow four vacancies yeah. that's yeah you know so you have so much more power of scale man and it's like you just got to find the right price in the right market where the, the dollars make sense i mean the, the price point makes sense you know I was buying an eight plex in Henderson, Nevada, and I went and traded it for a 30 plex in Tucson in a crappy spot. And it was a lot of work, man. Like I walked in and I did the inspection and the, he goes, oh, we just had somebody fly out here from California. They walked half of the inspection. They took off and left and said, I'm over it. <laughs> so he goes, you a savvy investor? I'm like, man, I see dollar bills in this place. So yeah. uh, that's why he says that, man. And I believe it too, because I had the four plexes and you know how it is. You get one vacancy, you're 24. 5% vacant. It's like, there goes all your cash flow, right? Yep. I mean, especially duplexes, like duplexes, dude, you have one that's 50%. Dude, it's dude, insane. Get this. So I just, I've sold, I sell a lot of duplexes, but just sold a duplex in Provo, Utah. I mean, a market, huge, massive growth, but still I had 15 offers. It was not my duplex. I'm a listing agent, 15 offers in a couple of days. I countered to the highest offer that was like 10% above asking, no due diligence, no financing, no appraisal contingency, and they bought it at about a 4.9 cap. Oh my God. They're about $400 per month negative cash flow. Because they're <laughs> they're putting 5% down. They're and they're betting on the freaking appreciation. God, dude, those yeah. people. I was helping this kid analyze a deal yesterday. He's, and he actually, he's doing great. He, he has renters in his basement. They're paying a thousand a month, but he was going to move out and rent out the whole house. His mortgage is 1650, not including any expenses. And he's going to be able to maybe get 1800 for it. And I'm like, what are you doing? That's like a negative return. You know, go buy an investment property, take that money out scale it because vacancy, what you were talking about is huge. You know, if you have a little bit of vacancy on a single family home, a duplex fourplex, that hurts. And that, yeah. that really hurts. But on a 30 unit, hundred unit, which you can do with the right partners, you don't even feel it. And on the flip side, economies of scale, when you need to fix stuff, repair stuff, and you bring in a contractor to fix a giant roof like that, he's going to give you massive discounts. And so it's all about economies of scale and mitigating risk. But here's, here's where I don't agree with Grant. Mm-hmm. I've made crazy money on my duplexes and townhomes, the ones that I've bought well. So That's great. You got to start somewhere, right? See, the reason why people, and this is my feeling, and I don't know, I'm a, I'm, I ride Grant's coattails pretty hard, so mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm biased. But I, see, the reason why people do that and buy the single families and the duplexes is because they're scared. They're scared to go bigger and they're scared to get a team. They want to do it themselves. That's the only thing they can do is four and below with themselves on their own loan as a single family. They can go talk to their buddies. They can do it alone and they don't want to get to that next level and build a team because they don't either A, they don't trust people or B, they just want to start out and learn, but they just shooting themselves in the foot, man. I mean, perfect example. We have a 42 unit. We've just bought literally probably 15 ACs in the last six months yeah. and we haven't, put, we haven't put a dollar into it. We haven't got a dollar out of it in the last six months, but we haven't put a dollar into it. We have what, 15 times $4,000, $60,000 in ACs right now. The property is way more valuable, right? Uh-huh. 
And I mean, now it's got all these new ACs. So when somebody comes to buy it, they're going to be like, oh, we don't need to repair the ACs. So you yeah. just scale, man. It just goes scale, scale. And then if you hit the appreciation, great. Good for you, man. Like you won the lottery, right? But yeah. you just based on cash flow, you just do your due diligence on the rents in the area. Dude, you're golden. Like, man, I bought that place in Arizona for four and a quarter for, for the rents, all cash for rents, all freaking. Mm-hmm. I had to get a stop holes when I bought it because I didn't even have a rent roll. <laughs> I charge six thirty five now in a year oh, and a half. Wow. So I mean, dude. So hold on, what did that do to value? So if you raise rents by two hundred dollars a door. Oh yeah, you can calculate it. Cap raise. So I've got a calculator here. Let's do that for for people. Two hundred dollars a door. Two hundred dollars door unit. times thirty. Times, times twelve. Divided times by like current cap. What could you sell that at? Like five and a half cap right now. Yeah, it's a six. I said six and a half. But let's say six. That's a $1.2 million increase in equity. And I just refied it for 950,000 more. So there you go. Dude, that's huge. Try doing that. And how much money did you originally put in that deal? 420,000. So if you don't have 420,000, how hard is it to find a couple of buddies or partners with 420? That's not that hard. Not hard at all. So I only had 250 at the time because I sold the eight plex, right? Took my cash out. And I had 250, so what did I do? I went and talked to a couple buddies, scrounged up three buddies, and they all put it in the other 150. So, so hold on. Did you just say you you put that money in and then you refied out the money? I put that money in and then I just refied out all the money we have in, and we're still cash flowing three thousand a month. So here here's a trick. <laughs> here's a <laughs> trick question. What is what percent return is it if all of your money's out of the deal? It's a symbol. It's you ever seen the symbol sideways eight? <laughs> <laughs> so you're getting an infinite return on your 30 plex. You have no risk because you have no money in. Is it a non-recourse loan or recourse loan? Non-recourse. So non-recourse right means your personal credit is not at risk, which by the way, Grant Cardone also talks about that. That's hugely important. That's what, you know, if, if you're, if the economy crashes, your credit gets ruined, guess what? You can't take advantage of low prices because you have no credit you get a non-recourse loan and you're fine you know so that's huge so you have non-recourse you have an infinite return on that 30 plex and now you have more money that you pulled out of it the mortgage is being paid for you than you actually put in how long ago did you buy that two years so in two years you doubled your money that you put in and you're still getting three thousand a month Yes. And so, no, well, yeah, we doubled the money we put in. We got the money we put in out, if uh-huh. that makes sense. Yep. And then, yeah, man, we got our money back and we're making 3000 a month com- combined with all of us. And we're now we're going to take the 400000 and we're going to go roll it into another property and do the same thing over and over. I love that. And repeat. Yeah. So I the 400000 will now own like 60 units. I don't know, 50, maybe, maybe they're a little more expensive now. 50 uh-huh. units. So now that 400,000 that we started with owns 2 million on the first one. Plus say we go buy a place for a million bucks again. So now we own $3 million of property, $3,000 a month, maybe another thousand if we get to put the money and whatever on this, on this million dollars. So three, four, probably make like four grand a month off $400,000, maybe five. And we have $3 million worth of property. Love it. I love that, man. And, and that's honestly, that's just music to my ears. If, if I can put money in, puts, it's a heavy lift. You know, you said the investor walked away. He was scared of it. I, 
I've flipped, you know, we always look for the cat pee houses. We look for the moldy houses, the hoarder houses mm-hmm. that, you know, I've, I've sold a unit that there's rats fighting in the, in the living room in front of us when we're doing the tour. That's nice. what you look for, right? That's where ah. you make money. Needles in the corner. Love it. Perfect. Pens. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man, they had, they literally had a, I literally had the drug dealer in the town that was living in the corner, man. Um, I didn't know. And he came out to me and he's like, just let you know, I'm a felon. I'm like, that's fine. As long as you're not, when was that? 10 years ago. Okay, cool. I'm like, cool. Keep an eye on the property for me. Come to find out he's the local drug dealer in the whole town. So it oh, got him. people were pulling guns on each other, but tell you what, a property like that, you just go in, you put a great camera system, you put an insane lighting. Like I put lighting, like 7,000 lumen lighting all the way around. And <laughs> nice. the, city, the city came to me and was like, just change this one. Cause it's blasting the neighbors, but otherwise good job. There's a strip club and a bar behind it, which now I know not to buy next to a strip club and a bar, but you know, you don't know sometimes. Hey, you know, you're making money and you learn and yeah, yeah you can probably sell it for a stupid price right now because people are overpaying for property. Yeah. We're working on a similar project in Albuquerque right now. C-class property, they're rough. There's a little bit of crime in the area, but we're looking to throw in a couple hundred thousand and, and within a year to two years, we'll probably be able to refi out that money. But here's the thing. And, and here's the thing I want people to understand. If we're not able to refi out the money, we're okay. So when you yeah. buy something, you got to be okay with a long-term play and we're okay holding it 10, 15 years. It'll cash flow like crazy. Our yep. game plan is to refi money out and have that infinite return in a year to two. But I'm sure you would have been fine with a 10 year hold, not being able to do that. Right. Yeah, we got, well, this one was a little gnarlier. We had a five-year, but we had a five-year loan on a 25-year AM uh, local bank to start. And it was, but it was variable at the end, right? LIBOR plus whatever. So as long as it's variable and it's not fixed, I'm fine. I'm like, if it goes up a little bit. But I was just thinking right now when you're talking about that, I go, if you base all your purchases on rent amounts, right? Uh I don't know about you, but tell me the last time you were living in a place and the rent went down. (laughs) <laughs> I can't think of a time. Can you? No, I mean, I can't think of a time our landlord calls you and say, guess what? Rent just got lowered. Hey, I Never. run the lottery. I don't need you to pay rent yeah. anymore. So if you base it on that, man, you're pretty safe and you do those long-term loans, 10 to 12 years fixed, you know, try to get the variable at the end. That's what I do. Just a just peace of mind. I had a five-year fix for a while and I was sweat, sweating every day. Yeah. And sometimes that's how you have to buy them. If there's a heavy lift and you do a good job executing, I'm okay with a five year. If you've got an exit, if you're going to refi a little bit sooner, if you can, rates are low right now. And at the end of the day, the bank doesn't want to take the property back. So if you're killing it, if you're crushing it, just like you are, Kevin, I'm okay with a five year, but obviously, yeah, go long-term for sure. And call around, man. Those local banks on those heavy lift jobs are the way to go. And then you finance, refi them into a government loan. Yeah. Any Freddie. That's what I do. Absolutely. Well, and tell us the, about a crazy story. You, you had a crazy story for us about a trailer park. Okay. Yeah. The last thing on that real quick. They'll rehab, they'll finance the rehab cost in there too. I don't know if you ever. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. 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 So if you take a hundred and you take the money, the, the million bucks plus 200,000, say for the rehab, they'll do 70% of that whole 1.2 million Dang. and then they'll give it to you. They'll give it to you in stipends. Crazy story, man. So my first experience ever, it was 2012 or 11. I had to look it up cause I couldn't remember the year, but 2012, I believe I went to this guy's house in Beverly Hills. I'm in San Diego. So I, I used to go up to LA and hang out with these 
rich people. And I went to this house in Beverly Hills and I was like, wow, this thing's cool. Right. Mel Gibson was a neighbor. Barry Bonds was the neighbor. And I was like, this is awesome. And I asked the guy, I go, what did you do? Or what do you do? You know? And he goes, I, I buy and sell mobile home parks. I'm like, all right, cool. So I went home, looked him up, looked up his company. I'm like, I'm going to buy and sell mobile home parks. Nice. So I went online, didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know about that there's conferences and, and trainings and all this stuff about all everything in the industry. I thought you just go for it. So yeah. I had saved up, I had a wedding video company and I saved up like a hundred gram and I found this guy and he's like, meet me at the airport. I'm going to take you to Alabama. I got trailer parks down there. I property manage them down there. All you got to do is give me some give me the, the down payment, we'll sell or finance it, and we will property manage it for you. You just sit back and collect checks. I was like, all right, cool, hey, I can do that. Nice. And uh, he actually had one in Nashville, Tennessee that I wish I freaking bought. Ah, Anyway, so Aniston, Alabama is where the park was. I didn't know anything about mobile home parks. I just took this guy's word for it. First time I've even been to Alabama, go down there. And he's like, here it is. And it was a complete crap hole. And, uh, and it was like the D it was like E tenants. If there's such a thing as an E class tenant, this is where they were. <laughs> and they had sewer tanks in, and it was like, you're supposed to get city water. I've never gone through any training. So yeah. I was like, cool, I'll take it, man. I trust you. So I took it, bought it, bought it. They started running it. I was hands off and I didn't collect a check for like six months. They years. oh yeah, we're putting more money in, fix the toilets. We owned all the homes, all the, all the slabs, the whole nine. Oh, wow. And they're like, oh, yeah, we got to move out. Yeah, we got this. Yeah, we screwed up toilets. So I'm like, all right, I'm going out there. So I go out there and found out the drug dealer was also the, the it's funny, the drug dealer was also the manager at that one. And the maintenance guy was like, oh, I thought you were running a brothel here because he has all of his pimps and his hoes in here. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> so it was insane. So I stayed out there for a couple of days. Tried to do my best, man. I was renting a U-Haul, freaking carrying around the maintenance guy on the top of the U-Haul, cutting down tree limbs so they wouldn't hack into my, so they wouldn't fall into my place. I brought them all beers. We're hanging out, just shooting the, you know, shooting the, I don't want to cuss on your thing, but hanging out, just talking smack good, and hanging out. You can be yourself. We've got an editor yeah. if, if we feel like it. All right, cool. Yeah, so doing that, and then I'm like, man, this thing is just draining me, right? It was, it was only a couple grand a month, I'd say, but it was, at that time, was a lot, you know? I was like, yeah. dude, a couple grand a month's going to changed you know it's changing my things what's going on so i was stressing out man i i remember going to the doctor and i was like i'm stressing out she's like what do you got going i'm like well, i got this trailer park i got these franchises i got this that and the other and then she's like yeah, you got a lot of stuff going on yeah. anyway long story short i called this guy back after losing probably two grand a month for a year and i'm like dude i'm over it i'm like i can't do this this is driving me nuts i tried to self-manage it for a while i couldn't even get a local manager to do it uh property manager to do it it was insane. So I tried to figure out how to fix it. I had a buddy that lived out there in Alabama. Check it out. He's like, no, nah, okay, it's it's worthless. So I was like, all right, just lick my wounds and roll out. So I ended up selling it for 15000 take over that same seller finance loan. And I got fifteen grand. So I put in a hundred and I think it was like hundred and fifteen, and I I took back about a hundred. So that was after a year and a half and I lost. So I probably lost like a hundred and forty grand. That's all the money I had in the bank, pretty much. Oh, um, wow. that was a, yeah, that was a, so I haven't got Ouch. another trailer park since, but during the trailer park, I went to the Frank and Dave real estate course about mobile home parks and everything I was doing was wrong and was like, oh, great. So to my advice to people out there, if you want to buy a mobile home park, go to, go to a course first about how to buy one before you go buy one. Cause they are yeah. way different than a fourplex. Get educated. Um, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, and um, I think that's the moral of the story. You understand apartments really well. Obviously, you're crushing it in apartments. And a lot of people think, well, you know, assisted living's not going to be much different. Mobile homes not going to be much different. Storage units aren't going to be much different. But real estate is very different. Every asset class is very different. Every market's very different. You were trying to manage from San Diego and Alabama. I've never been to Alabama, but I've heard I've heard stories. So, so that's a, a really good point. We've got a, a buddy in our uh, mastermind group that just crushes it, absolutely crushes trailer parks, Kevin Bupp, you know, and, but he doesn't do apartments, you know, he understands trailer parks and he does great. He's got a fund. You're crushing in apartments. Do you have an asset class that you want to learn more about and maybe branch out to in, in the future? I would love to get into assisted living personally. Me too. Um, my director of operations for my franchise business, I just brought him over from a company that had like 400 or 500 assisted living facilities. Whoa. So I'm going to, once we start getting up on where we're going to be buying some stuff, then I'm going to start, he has a bunch of buddies in that industry. So I'm going to start picking their brains and going to a couple courses, seeing what's going on. Come check out the one we just closed on. Yeah, I saw that on Facebook. So we closed on one. It, it, it was a hospice care facility that they ran into the ground, an amazing location in Salt Lake City. My partners, I actually am not involved on the deal. I was going to put money in and then I went and bought a different property. But a bunch of my investors put money into this deal and, and they're good friends of mine, the partners and the investors and 30 beds. It's going to cash flow like crazy. Just, I mean, they're going to have a really nice facility in a nice location. People are already banging down their doors to put their parents in there because it's nice. But what I've found in my underwriting, we almost bought a different facility. The 12 to 16 beds can make money, but the same thing applies as apartments. You don't get that economies of scale. You really start to get economies of scale in our price points at about 20 beds. And, you know, most cities will allow you to have a small facility between 20 and 30 beds. So if you can find something like that, it's, you're crushing it. And then you jump into bigger ones. We're about to close on a 90 bed facility in, in Provo, Utah. And I'm putting Damn. money in that one and, and a bunch of my investors are. And so I'll, I'll send you info though, because they're really exciting, really cool. You can take care of people, you know, it's the yeah. end of their life and then you can offer a fantastic service. And at the end of the day, you feel good about taking care of people. You know, I've had in real estate, I've had a lot of clients move into these facilities where they maybe weren't taken care of as well. My grandma moved into one that was, was terrible. So you offer a high level of service. It can be very, very rewarding in that asset class. Nice. I love it. How do you, did you learn about that or how did you, how did you so learn? What you know we about learned that? about it by wasting an entire month of our lives. We, we were, my business partner, Lyndon, and I were wanting to get into it. You know, we're learning about it. I talked to Rod Cleef about it and Robert and a couple other guys. And all of a sudden, a deal just fell in our laps. They were building this assisted living facility in an amazing location. And so we wrote an LOI. And, and based on the numbers they gave us, it was going to cash flow like crazy. Like we were buying about a nine cap with okay. room to grow. So we were excited. So we underwrote, underwrote, underwrote. We watched courses, YouTubes, talked to the head of assisted living for Utah. All these people that own assisted living, they all felt really good about it. 
at the end of the day, we backed out because there was some dishonesty going on with the partners that were building it. And they were trying to hide basically $4 million that they owed on it from us. Um, wow. So, so we backed out. They actually got in big trouble. They got pushed out by their partners. They, they yeah. uh, could, be, could be facing a lawsuit. But we spent all of January and part of February underwriting assisted living facilities, touring facilities all over Utah. And, you know, I'm kind of old fashioned. I just cold call. So I cold called almost every assisted living facility in Utah between Provo and Salt Lake City, asking them what their rents are, how vacant they were, what amenities they offered, where their price points, where their different upcharges were. And so within a month, I understood assisted living facilities very, very, very well. And so did my partner. And now, you know, really it's, we just need to find a good operator for the next one we buy and we understand everything else. So when we jump into something, we, we do our research and we're nerdy. We love spreadsheets and we just go crazy on research. And, and I feel like that's kind of what you need to do to not get caught red handed. Yeah, that's, that's a good advice, man. I appreciate it. I got a, yeah. Cause we got a couple guys to buy for this company. I'm, I'm planning on bringing over like three or four of these guys once we can afford them from this big company and putting it in ours and giving them a piece of equity and having them help us do it. Cause there's one guy in there that's buddies with my friend. That's like mm-hmm. the guy that goes out and finds the deals and walks to deals and sees the deals 24 seven. And then the other guys, like the guy that like goes out and talks to all the brokers and like gets the deal. So the other guy can go find the deal. And then my buddy was the one that was underwriting them and running them during the day. So we're going to try to get them dialed in. I got to learn it myself, but yeah, that's definitely yeah. I like that. I like that idea. That's awesome. I love what you're doing there, getting a strategic partner that understands asset class more than you do. You know, at the end of the day, you can you can learn a lot. We brought in a guy that was going to manage our facility. He's got like 10 years experience managing assisted living. We're not going to jump in on our own and try and manage this one of those things. We can underwrite it. We can raise the money for it. We can manage the property manager, but at the end of the day, we're not going to run the facility. And so I think that's one of the things we do best is we always bring in a partner that really, really understands the asset class. You know, we're buying land in Boise right now to build apartments and we're bringing in one of the best builders in Boise to build it for us. And one of the best land guys to develop the land for us, because that's not our strong point. We can underwrite it. We can raise money for it. We know what price point they're going to rent for, but the skills we don't have, we want to make sure we have the best partners possible. It's good. It's good plan. So, so, so you lost a lot of money on the, the, the mobile home park that, that hurts. Good story though. That, I mean, you learned a lot. That was basically a hundred thousand dollar education on, on what not to do. Yes. So don't trust people. Trust, no. but verify. Yeah. What else, what else did you take? Trust away from nobody. That? I'm going to get a tattoo right on my neck. Trust <laughs> no one. <laughs> uh, what would you say? What, what, what else did you learn as far as, you know, you need to do your research, obviously you need, need to maybe trust, but verify. What did you take away from that? And, and what have you springboarded into since that mobile home part? Oh, well, that was right before I started buying the fourplexes. So oh, okay. obviously I made a bunch of money on those. So that kind of just, I just called it a wash, right? And I was like, cool, made a hundred grand on those ones. Great. Blah, blah, blah. Done. What I learned is managing some, managing some offsite out of state. You really got to have, you just got to know what you're, you can do it. I do it in Arizona. I mean, I have like a, I have like a quasi cause it's such a small property. I have like a onsite. I kind of manage, she used to run her management company. 
you can do it. You just got to know what you're doing, I think. Right. There's, and there's always going to be, you always, you're never going to get it as much as if you have it in your backyard. You're never going to manage it as good as if you have it in your backyard or you have a good third party manager that's watching over it 24 seven, but you can do a decent job. Right. Right. And so you just got to accept that you're going to get hosed co- a couple times, like little stuff here and there, but you got to look over the numbers. I learned it's really hard dealing with the D class property and E class, right? D class. Yeah. No kidding. And then E classing it for off out of state. That's really hard to do. Pretty much impossible. Learn, go to the, go get education, go pay for a seminar that says, you know, like Rod Cleep does the apartment thing. These guys did the same kind of thing for mobile homes. There's somebody out there for every asset class right. and then start calling people and, and, talking to them man just i mean it amazes me i was on their little our zoom call we do every once a couple weeks on our page and it amazes me man how often you put yourself out there to hit me up and nobody does it or one person maybe it's just insane like i put my schedule i'm going to these states to do this i'm looking you can come meet me vegas i had two people come and meet me on my property i'm like wow it's crazy geez so they're just not taking the time to to take action yeah so that you know what they do they go back to the duplex because they can yep. do it themselves. Yep. Yeah, a little bit intimidating. And it, it is, it's intimidating to buy these big, yeah. big asset classes. But, you know, the, the thing I see people get stuck in is they don't want to take a time time away from Netflix to do research. They don't want to take time away from vacations to go travel to Vegas to hang out with Kevin Easterly and walk properties or they're so into education, they want to keep educating, keep educating, keep educating, and they don't take action. So, like ODing on education. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's this realtor from my last office, and he kept saying, you know, I'm going to hit it big someday. I'm going to hit it big. I'm going to do really well. I just, I just need to learn more. Mm. And, you know, he's been learning for 10 years now, and he's never made six figures in, in the best real estate market that wow. he could have ever wished for in his lifetime. But instead of taking action, he just keeps getting educated. So it's it's a happy medium. You, you can't be scared to take action, but make sure you're educated before you take too much action, I think. Yeah, 100%. That's great advice. I mean, yeah, man. Build, get, just go get that team. Find out what you're good at. Don't try to do everything. If you try to go learn every aspect of apartment building and try to do everything, you're going to over... Like, I was doing it with one partner, and I would I was overwhelmed, right? I was... Yep. It was always... That I'm doing or you're doing, it, but have three, four partners, man. And I'm like, don't be scared to give away equity. It's like my franchise business we have. It's like yep. that's the one thing I did when I first started is I got some big hitters in there, gave them a small salary, and I gave them equity. And I said, here you go, because I understand that concept. That's a huge, that's a huge oh, uh, advice. Yeah, I mean, you wanna, you want to make money, but you know, a small piece of the pie is better than 100 percent of no pie. And I've given away money to partners on deals that maybe was a little bit generous, but it worked out really, really well. And, and I don't love doing stuff on my own. I want another brain to analyze deals. And, mm. and my partner, Lyndon, right now, he's texting me. He's analy- texting me about uh, the deal we're analyzing in Springfield, Missouri. And, and he sees stuff that I don't see. I see stuff that he doesn't see. So, no, I, th- I think you're right. You know, don't be greedy. Stop being greedy, people. You're greedy because you, you're trying to do duplexes on your own. Um, you're going to be stuck in those duplexes if you don't get a partner. Yeah, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, I want my partners and friends to make a lot of money. I don't need to make all the money myself. 
So I had another question for you, and this is a little bit mm-hmm. off topic. I was talking to David Topin. We both have fast, stupid cars and, you know, stupid thing to save, spend money on. But we've all also made a lot of sacrifices to get where we're at. So it's kind of a two-part question. What sacrifices have you made to be in this amazing position that you're in, buying huge apartment complexes? And maybe what's something that you spent money on that's a little bit stupid that you could have gotten to where you're at a little bit faster? I That's another thing I listen to Grant Cardone about. I don't worry about how much I spend anymore. I'm over it. I just make more. If I'm not <laughs> yes. a lifestyle I want to live, I just forget how to make more money. I don't know, man. Bought a Maserati a while ago. Ooh. I live in a really nice place. Ghibli? Yeah, Ghibli. So nice. I like that. Kind of the poor man's Ferrari. I don't know. Live in a nice place, man. I mean, I just, I spend way too much money to live where I live, I'm sure. Yeah, dude. I, I don't know. I like Rolexes. I like freaking nice watches. I like nice clothes. I like wearing Yeezy shoes. I don't know, man. But but you're paying for that stuff with your investment. You're not paying it for it with, with the income you make. You're, I mean, you've invested a lot of money and, and a lot of time to, to be able to spend money on that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And one thing, you know, that I have that a lot of people don't is I don't have a, like, I mean, my parents and my brother has a family an hour away and I go see them all the time, but I don't have kids. I don't have a wife. And so I kind of chose that. I had a five-year relationship. And I found that, you know, if you don't have a partner in crime that is a spouse that is on your same page, my spouse was setting me back on a full different page. I'm like, what do you want to do with your life? She's like, I don't know, be a nurse. I'm like, cool, go to nursing school, right? It's, oh, on the yeah. way top for summer, we're going to go party, right? Yeah. She was on a full different page. So I broke up with her and dude, I took off and that was like my launching pad. And that's one thing, right? If you don't have it, like I haven't found that, that one yet. So I'm, I'm not getting, I'm not getting excited about it. So that's one thing that I have advantage. And that's one thing that sacrifices. I, I knew that if you, and that goes with friendships, marriages. I mean, dude, sometimes, you know, man, got that bad marriage. It's not in the same boat. You guys you might want to stop and think about it. It sucks to say it, but it's truth. Yeah. Sometimes it's, you know, it's a negative thing. And, And that goes with partnerships in general. You know, I had a partner that I brought on probably in August, September last year that he's a great investor, smart guy, good friend of mine. By December, it was clear we were not on the same page. So I divorced him. And, you know, and and I said, Hey, I love you, man. But we are not on the same page. We're not going to work well together. And, and you you have to be really quick to do that because it'll hold you back. It'll ruin your dreams. It'll ruin your goals. And, and I think that's smart. So my own brother is my partner. And we got in a big old fight and we don't do business together. We're great buddies. Okay. That we just can't do business because every time we do business, we have a decision. It always comes back to the older brother and little brother kind of thing. And I'm like, nah, we can't do this. So he does his own apartments now. He did, He's investing in Tennessee, California, and uh, a couple other states over there. And I'm here doing my stuff. But uh, yeah, man, you're even your own brother. You know? Yeah. Well, sometimes family is the worst people to be in business with, to be oh, honest. Yeah. Negative, negative Nancy's. <laughs> yeah, worst, I heard a good quote, you know, just because people love you doesn't mean they're going to give you good advice or, or be a good person to be in business with. That's a good, that's a great quote. I love that. So, so what advice, I mean, what do you see in people make mistakes on right now? Do you have advice for investors looking to get in? I mean, there's a lot of people making mistakes that I feel like in the next couple of years could really, could really hurt them and, and their investors or, or just hurt their own portfolios. What I'm seeing out there on the most right now is, I don't know, people just get overwhelmed and they try to do it themselves. Like we just had a call the other day with like 25 people and 
there was a bunch of people on there, man. And I'm like, dude, go get a partner, go partner up, work for free with somebody, you know, like, do not try to do it yourself right now. If you try to do a deal yourself, you buy the wrong deal, especially if you raise money from friends and family and you buy the wrong deal. Now you got everybody's money on the hook yep. and something goes south in that deal. Guess what? Now you're really after. So that's the biggest thing I see right now is people not partner up. And I mean, and another problem I see is 17 times at the, at a, at a conference and they're still trying to do the same thing. I'm like, Dude, yep. how many times are you going to go sit by that water fountain before you drink it? All right. The water pond. Yeah. Like a horse sitting there, found the water, but now you don't know what to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I have a buddy who kind of got into real estate and got all of his friends to, and family to throw money in and he lost it all for him. Oh, that's hard yeah. to come back from. I did. Heck that's, yeah. That's, I, I feel for the guy because he's a really nice guy. He just didn't do his research and and he was the opposite. You know, he just, he didn't aim. He just ready fire, went on something and, and lost the money. But so yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting market we're in, you know, people are buying stuff they shouldn't buy, but it's also hard. You got to be able to make a quick decision. I get calls at least three or four calls a week from brokers, right? All their little tricks. They try to get me to sell my property. So I'm telling you right now, if you don't know what you're doing and you don't research the area, you're going to buy a property for a stupid price because I give people stupid pricing and I'm the seller, right? <laughs> I'm the owner. They yep. say, I know my property's worth four, two and, uh, Henderson yep. and they call me and they call me so much. I'm like four or five or I'm not selling. And they're trying to figure out how to fudge the, like not fudge the numbers, but use pro formas yeah. and the utilities to make that make sense for their people. And I'm telling you guys, like, you better know what you're doing, man. Cause right now is not the time to, to go out there and just grab a property and not know what you're doing. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, there's a company building properties right now. And I was looking at their pro forma taxes on a fourplex are off by 40%. They're 40% wow. lower. People probably maybe don't, aren't going to do the research and they won't even know until they get assessed their first year. And they're going to be like, wait a second. You mean I am not actually going to cash flow on this property because their uh. taxes are going to be way higher. Their rents are very optimistic. So they're advertising a six, eight cap. And I did the math with my investor. I'm like, well, let's do our own pro forma. It's actually a, a five, four cap. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's, I'm seeing a lot of that. And I'm a, I'm a broker and I'll, I'll lose deals because I'll tell people, you know, you shouldn't buy that. It's, I, I'd rather just not make a commission good, than though. have you buy that and lose money and call me in a year pissed off. Yeah, exactly. It's, you got long-term relationships, man. It's good. Well, well, Kevin, what, what are you doing that's exciting right now that we can promote on the podcast? People can reach out to you for Cause I feel like you're just crushing it. I love the infinite returns. That's something that is way more powerful than I think people realize. And, and I want people to get involved with you and, and learn about that because that is the way to get financially free. Yeah, I am doing, we're doing, a, we're having, a, we have mastermind we going, we're doing right now. We're doing twice a year, exotic locations. By the way, I'd be in um, the Bahamas with you guys if I wasn't closing on a house and moving. So I was going to go. Aruba. Oh, I was going to say that David mentioned it on the call. No, Garrison reached out. Oh, they, man, we, we got one spot that just opened up too. And they were like, Dude, let's just get rid of it for 2500 bucks. That's what he told me. I want to get my business partner to go. So I was going to mention to him, but no, we're closing on a house. I wanted to go and you guys uh, are doing big stuff, really good group of people. So, so yeah, 
I think they should. And so what's the name of that group on Facebook so that we, it's yeah, it's 10 X, uh, Fran- apartment and franchise mastery. I created a shortcut on my website. It's 10x.kevinisterly.com and it takes you right to there. 10x apartment. Um, I'm looking at it right now. 10x apartment investing and franchise mastery. Right? There you go. There you go. Yep. Exactly. And did you know someone copied you guys? Yep. <laughs> he named sure it 10x something or other. And I'm like, yeah, okay. wait a second. Yeah. You can't yeah, do I that. Know. I know. I know. I laughed. Hey, that's a fir- that's flattery, right? When people exactly. get imitated. You guys have a great group. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. So we got that. That group's exciting. If you want to learn about multifamily, get in that group. It's free. You know, we just try to help people in there. And there's probably somebody in your area that's doing some apartments that will help you out. And then I got, you know, I got the franchise. I got 11 franchises right now. We're just doing that, trying to build up some cash flow in this down. And this, you know, everything's kind of rocky on the apartments. So we're building up cash flow. And then we're going to start buying more apartments. Okay. And... and you know, if something comes along with the refi money, cool, we'll buy something right now. It's kind of why I got shaken. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, you know, and I think people ought to join your Facebook group. They ought to think about jumping in your mastermind group. And yeah. if I were someone looking to deploy 150, 100,000, 50,000, instead of buying a duplex, looking for a townhome or, or a fourplex, even though I make a bunch of money when you buy that from me, I'm going to say reach out to Kevin or reach out to someone that's that's doing these larger deals because the risk is so much less and the reward is so much more. Yeah. We have our, our website, Apollo 10 X.com. Check us out. Shows you all about our team and what we do, how we're going to win. Well, I'll put that in the show notes for sure. I appreciate you being on man. Any, any last thoughts before I let you go? (sighs) What kind of toothpaste are you using now? Charcoal toothpaste, black. (laughs) You see, nice. that's fine. I always did. I always use it in my speech in that group. And I always use it as an analogy. And I'm like, you know, now I got to do it. So I went and did it. And everybody was commenting. It was funny, man. Yeah. Just get out there, man. Get on Facebook. Get on. I'm on LinkedIn now doing Facebook style videos. Everybody's like, what the hell is this guy doing? But I want to be a first. And uh, I'm on Snapchat. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on everything except for Twitter. Got to get on that. Yeah, I don't have time for every platform. But what I'd love to do with you is I have the ability to do a Zoom Facebook Live. Yeah. So maybe we'll schedule just a quick five-minute live video one of these days and just talk about a deal that we're looking at or talk about what you're doing. Yeah, let's uh, let's schedule it when we're out out and about in the field. I live in San Diego and my stuff, so I travel around. So when I go, let's schedule it on when I'm out in route. That'd be cool. Awesome. Yeah. Let me know and I'll, I'll throw it in my schedule and I'll be at the office to be able to do that. 